life. I looked up life in uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. There are 20 different definitions of life. They're all quite varied. So if you're trying to nail something down and, and ask, what is life? It's a little difficult to do from the dictionary. So what is life? Is life simply existing? Is it merely survival of the fittest? Is life just getting up and going through your routine day in and and day out? Just a matter of keeping your head above water for one more day? Or is life, real life, is it something more? That's something I'd like us to discover this morning. Way back in the book of Genesis, we read about the creation of life, God's creative work. He created all kinds of life. He created everything from the microorganisms to the, to the elephant, to the whale. He created creatures to fly in the air, creatures to walk on the land, creatures to swim in the sea. The list goes on and on. And all these creatures were alive. But on the sixth day, God did something unique. God did something special. God did something that was unlike anything he had done any of the other days. He created man and woman in his image. The pinnacle of his creation. The Bible says that we were created in his image. Now that does not mean that God looks like me with two legs and two arms, two eyes, a nose and a mouth. Because Jesus said of his father that God is spirit. That somehow he is like us, but unlike us, but we were made in his image. And then on that sixth day of creation, God did something to man that he had not done to any of the other creation. He breathed the breath of life into him. Man was unique. For God imparted to him his spirit life. That helps us to understand life, that you and I have a different kind of life than even our dogs and cats that we find awfully precious. That you and I have a different kind of life than the trees out in the forest or the grass in the field or the ants under the ground, that you and I have a different kind of life, a uniqueness of life, because we were made in the image of God, and God breathed into us His Spirit. We are set apart. We are different. In fact, Adam and Eve were created for fellowship with God. They were created to live in relationship with God. And it is described in beautiful terms as God walks with Man and woman in the cool of the day in the garden. That fellowship, that closeness, that relationship that God designed for us. But you know also in the book of Genesis we read about Adam and Eve and and how instead of listening to what God said to them about life and how it was to be lived, they began to listen to what Satan had to say to them. And in doing so, they, what we call it, they fell the great fall. What happened when they disobeyed God was that this intimacy, this relationship that they had had with God, the way God designed it, was broken. It was shattered. That's not what God wanted. And at that moment, something happened. It was as if a dark cloud of death 
rolled over them and guilt filled their lives. And when they heard God coming, instead of running to Him, they ran from Him. And they hid from God. This life that God had designed for them to live in relationship not only to one another but to Him was somehow broken and shattered. Spiritually, they had died. And you and I and every other person that has been born has known this same spiritual death. The Bible says, in fact, that you are dead in your transgressions and your sins. Dead, spiritually dead. In other words, you are not living life the way God designed it to be. You are not receiving and living the kind of life that God wants you to live, that He has in store for you. You don't know the abundance, the relationship. And so what did God do? Because we would not run to Him He came to us and God intervened in a powerful way. Here's what the Gospel of John writes about Jesus. In Him was life. In Jesus was life. And Jesus said of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And He also said, I have come. The reason I am here is that they may have life and have it to the full, to have it richly and abundantly. So Jesus came that we might know life. Now, we're kind of alive, right? I mean, we're here. But what the Bible says is the life that God has in store for us is not merely a physical existence. The life that God has in store for us, the life that God desires for you, the reason God created you is so that you might experience real life lived in relationship to Him. That like Adam and Eve in the garden, you could walk with God, commune with God, fellowship with God. Be in relationship with God. That is life. But i got to tell you, there are all kinds of substitutes for life, for full life. And quite frankly, I've tried a lot of them. Maybe you have too. And I must say that there is some happiness and some level of fulfillment in material possessions, in achievement, in the pleasures that this world has to offer if there were no happiness no fulfillment in them then we wouldn't pursue them at all but there is and there are things that offer us life there are pictures that are painted for us that the world paints for us this is life this is what you ought to be going after this is what you ought to be pursuing There are always substitutes for the life that God wants us to have in Him. There are always substitutes, but they will never yield the fullness of life that God has in store for us. King Solomon was the richest and wisest man who ever lived. He had an abundance of possessions. He could have anything in this world that he wanted, and he got most of it. Here is his conclusion on pursuing that kind of life. He says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. In other words, 
I had a blank check. I had an unlimited credit card. I could have anything I wanted. And I had the power to take it and nobody could say anything about it. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was a reward for my labor. In other words, I would rejoice. Look, this is all the stuff that I've done. He goes on to say, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was, what's that word? Meaningless. Like I'm chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Here is a man who had it all, but he said it's like chasing the wind. When I looked in my hands, there was nothing. It was meaningless. I've heard teenagers say about their parents, Oh, you made your own mistakes. Got to let us make our mistakes. And what I want to tell them is, listen, if you can learn from someone who's been through the battle so that you don't have to go through it yourself, then learn from them. Let's learn from Solomon. I, could, I denied myself nothing and found out that that's exactly what I ended up with. Nothing. There are all kinds of substitutes that will promise to make you feel alive. But God's desire is that you will find true life. Now, if I've got you interested, how do you find that life? If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to 1 John. 1 John, we're going to look in chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. If you find Revelation just a couple of pages back, you're going to run right into it because 2 and 3 John are really, really short. 1 John, chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. Hear the word of the Lord. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Heavenly Father, these few sentences make us come alive to them today so that we can either be comforted by them or called by them to embrace life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the court of law, you'll find people giving their testimonies. A witness will take the stand and be asked to give not their opinion, but their account of what they heard or experienced themselves, what they saw. That is the purpose of a testimony. Now, if that person who's giving the testimony has somewhat of a, well, let's just say they're not very much a person of character, they have a lot of integrity issues, then that testimony will be absolutely picked apart because why would you want to trust someone whose life is like this? How can you trust what they, what they say? It's like what I tell my kids all the time. The most important thing you can do for us is to tell us the truth. Because one day you're going to come to us and tell us something. And you're going, to, you're going to need for us to believe it. And if you haven't been honest with us, we're going to have a hard time embracing it. And so when a testimony is given, you want to be able to trust the character of the person who's given the testimony. Ver- these verses start, we read, and this is the testimony. Do you know whose testimony it's talking about? 
It's talking about God the Father's testimony. This is what God has to say. This is God's witness to you. And so, if this is God speaking, who has the ultimate character, then we want to listen to what he has to say because this is his testimony. And here is what he says. This is what God wants to say to us. First, that God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. Now, what is that? Eternal life means that it is life that will go on forever. But more importantly, it is life that will go on forever in right relationship to God. Life as it was meant to be. God has a gift for us. That gift for us is eternal life. And that is more than just living forever. It is living forever in relationship with God the way God designed life to be. This is not something that you're, not, that you're going to stumble on by accident. I mean, you're just not going to be coming around the corner and go, oh, there's eternal life. This is not something that you're going to go climb a, a mountain in Tibet and get to the top and say, hey, tell me the secret of life. This is not something that you're going to earn, that you're going to get to the end of a life where you've worked hard and you toiled and you've tried to be a, a person who is honest and, and, and full of integrity all your life and you finally get to the end and, and bam, there's eternal life waiting for you. This life, this life is found only in the Son, only in Jesus. The Apostle Peter, who hung around with Jesus, that hard-headed apostle, that quick-tempered apostle, that apostle who saw the empty tomb and the resurrected Christ. This is what Peter said of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name other than Jesus under heaven given to, given to men by which we must be saved. And let's not think that this life in Jesus is something that, uh, something that begins on the day we die. Because the Bible says, we just read it, he who has the Son, what? Has life. Wait a minute. I thought eternal life, when they finally close the lid on the casket, lower my body into the grave and cover up and leave, bam, eternal life starts then. That's not what's being said here. In fact, this is a present and continuous In other words, it is something you have now that goes on and on and on, present and enduring. That life that God desires for us, a life lived in right relationship to Him, is available to you right now. You don't have to wait until you die to get it. That life that's described in Genesis as God walked with Adam and Eve is exactly the life that God has for you. He wants to walk with you through every step of your life so that you are never alone and you're always in relationship to Him. Now, if that life is found in His Son, then the converse of that is also true. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I'm trying to make this as simple as I can. I want you to be able to grasp this. This is God's testimony. This is not Jimmy's opinion. It is not the opinion of Grace Fellowship. It is not the opinion of any Christian church. This is God's testimony. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Now, the Bible's not saying that we are not physically alive. The Bible is not saying that this is kind of a, a dream and that one day we'll, we'll wake up from this dream. You're alive. Physically, you're alive. But apart from Christ, God says that you're physically alive, but spiritually, you're a dead man or a dead woman walking. That is our spiritual state before God apart from Christ. John was not writing this letter as an appeal to people who didn't believe to believe. Now, I will issue that appeal, but that wasn't the intent. What was the intent? The intent was to comfort believers. Notice what he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that name, no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved, that name, the name of Jesus, so that you may know you have eternal life. This Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, you who are in Christ have a reason to rejoice. You can claim with confidence because it's God's testimony that you have life in Jesus, eternal life. That abundant, full life that God has for you is yours. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But through faith, you have received it. That's how all of us receive it. You see, the Bible says it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift is meant to be given and received. I have never had the experience on Jackie or Jay's birthday or Christmas time or, or any time where we exchange gifts. I've never given them a gift and they look at me and go, okay, how much was that? No. They take it, they receive it. Why? Because it is a free, is a gift that I give to them freely. God is a gift that he is freely giving to you who are spiritually dead. Here it is, my son given for you. Some of you have received that gift. And because of that, you have reason to celebrate this verse was written just for you. So that you may know not listening to any false teachers, not listening to any deceivers, not listening to what Satan wants to whisper in your ear, but that you may know you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. When you and I consider the crucifixion of Jesus, we know that he died to pay the price for our sin. He died for our sins. And when we consider the empty tomb, we know that he rose to give us life. If you're a Christian... You've got reason to celebrate. If you're not a Christian, then I just ask you to simply believe God's testimony and receive God's gift. Here's the promise given to us in Scripture. To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision of a husband's will, but born of God. Many of you, have received life. 
And you have reason to rejoice as you leave this place and to share that life, that joy, that good news, God's testimonies with others because you have life in Jesus both in eternity and in the present and in the here and now. You can leave this place with confidence, not because you're good enough, but because God was gracious enough. But let me take just a moment to talk to those of you who do not know you have life in Christ. My friends, this is a free gift, but God is not going to force you into it. God is not going to take you down and hogtie you and drag you kicking and screaming into life. He holds it out before you full and free for you to receive. He has done everything necessary. He sent His Son to die for you so that you could live, really live. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to the Father. Come, come. You who are spiritually dead, come and find life. You who have been searching for something to give you meaning, come and find life. Come and embrace life. Come and receive this gift so that you can leave this place rejoicing, knowing beyond any doubt that you have life in Jesus Christ. If you need that life this morning, I would love to lead you in a very simple prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can whisper it under your breath. You can say it in your heart. But if you mean it, if you really mean it, then God's going to hear it. and God is going to give you what He promised, life in His Son. If you're already a believer and you know it, then I would like you, as, as I lead these others in prayer, for you to be praying for whoever it is that may be here this morning who needs that life. But if you need to pray this prayer, would you bow your heads and pray it with me right now? I'm just going to pray it and you just kind of follow along, but only if you mean it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I'm spiritually dead and I come to you today believing in your son Jesus, that he died for me on the cross, that he rose on the third day, and that he offers to me life in him, real life. I embrace it today. I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord of my life. I choose Him because He first chose me. I thank you for salvation. I receive it. I believe it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.